0: Taking a brief minute, shake somebody's hand and say, hello. Praise God. Praise God. Again, I'm so happy to see everybody here on this sunny Tuesday evening. I love it when we have Tuesday night service and the sun is out. It has a different feel to it when we can look out and the lights are on and it's bright outside and it's warm. I don't know if it invokes memories of childhood of kind of being able to be a little looser and a little free, but... I do like the warm weather, amen? (laughs) Maybe not all of us, but I I do. (laughs) Amen. I'd like to talk to you for a few moments this morning on the following subject. Building memorials to remember God. You see, there are many... memorials in the Old and New Testament of the Bible. And memorials were often put as stones. They were put up as markers or piled together in a place to stand out. You see, stones were easy to come by in the Holy Land. As we read and we know, milk and honey was a promise, but rocks were always there. I was wondering as I was speaking with Brother Godfrey last Sunday, why did they have so many rocks in that land The Holy Land. Why do we have so many rocks? Well, if you bear with me for a little bit, I think we'll find out why. At least one reason why we have so many rocks. Amen. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 28 that while Jacob was traveling to Haran, that he met with his uncle Laban. It's the place where he would eventually marry Leah and Rachel. And he had a dream in this place, and he saw angels descending and going, you know, coming and going from heaven. And in that dream, God spoke to him. And God repeated the promises that he had made to Abraham. And the next morning, we see Jacob set up a stone pillar, and he poured oil on it. And he named the place Bethel as a reminder of what God had said to him. It was a simple reminder. Nonetheless, it was an important one to Jacob. And if you look a little further, a few chapters later in Genesis 31, and um, on a timeline approximately 20 or so years later, we see Jacob returning to his homeland with his family, and his uncle Laban is chasing after him. Uh, The two were at odds with each other. There was a trust issue there, and we see the two making a covenant with each other. And they placed a a heap of stones on that spot as a memorial, uh, not only to themselves, but to God as a witness of their covenant together. Again, it was a fairly simple memorial of stones, but again, it was an important memorial to them. You see, the pile of stones was a reminder to them of the promises that God had made to them and of their covenant with each other. You see, there are similar things that take place all throughout the Old Testament. And indeed, I would say that there are still covenants that are made today. And what I mean by that is essentially we have contracts in our modern time, uh, written documents between two parties, but essentially those documents, uh, it's a covenant, it's a memorial or it's An agreement. Uh, We use the modern techniques of computers and technology and writing to do that but nevertheless it's still drawn up and put down and it's a memorial of the covenant made between two parties or two individuals. Um, And I would say that maybe considering how easily us humans tend to forget things, it's probably a good idea that we don't mark contracts with stones anymore. You see, God realized that we as human beings, we often forget things. Uh, we get a little older, our memory isn't quite as sharp, we don't quite remember things the same way. Um, someone could come up to you and say, hey, do you remember when? Um, I have a good friend of mine, his name is David, I've known him for well over 30 years, and he says, do you remember when we were 14? Nope. But he's got a mind like an elephant, but he remembers, but I don't. And then there's also the times where, you know, if, if we live old enough in age that maybe we have so many memories we can't remember what happened yesterday. Lord forbid. But God knows that we forget. And more importantly, God knows at times that we can forget at times what he's done for us. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 12, That says, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. See, Moses was telling the people to remember what God had done for them. Amen? I'd like to turn your attention to Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 through
1: 9. And it came to pass when all the people... Were clean passed over Jordan, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe, a man, and command ye them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, and ye shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take you up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel this, that this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them, that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones out of the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord spake unto Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them unto the place where they lodged, and laid, there, laid them down there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests which bear the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there unto this day.
0: Thank you, Pastor. Again, I'd like to speak to you again on the topic of building memorials to remember God. If we look at the meaning of the Hebrew word memorial that's used in verse 7, it quite simply means to remember. Given our predisposition or propensity to forget. It is little wonder then that we see memorials frequently played out as an important part of biblical history. There are several places, as we touched on in biblical history already, where memorials were made. Uh, It was at the foot of Mount Sinai that Moses built an altar of stones to commemorate God's covenant with Israel. We can find that in Exodus chapter 12. And in today's text that Pastor read, we can see God's command of His people to erect a memorial there in the midst of the waters. It's interesting that if we, we look a little bit further in, in verse 3 of, of Joshua, God calls the twelve men to go back to where the priests were standing in the middle of the river holding the ark. And each man was to pick up a rock or a stone in the middle of it and carry it to the other side other side of the river, which was the land of Canaan. Now I'd like you to notice with me just for a few minutes a few reasons why this action was given. First, the action was given that it be a time of remembrance for what God has done. And I think this is something that A lot of us do a lot of the times, but I think that it's also something that we could do a little bit more if we really think about it. And it's not just the big earth-shattering things that God does in our lives, such as healings or restorations. And those things are great and wonderful, and I'm happy for those. But what about the small things that the Lord does for us every day? The ability to get up and breathe clean air, drink clean water. The ability to still gather together as a people and worship Him. These are memorials that I think we should never forget. Amen? Amen. You see, first off, we see memorial stones were to be placed as a reminder of the Israelites' own experiences in life. But that also goes for us as well. See, we need to notice that in verse 6, this memorial will cause the children to ask, What do these stones mean to you? You see, these stones are first of all to be a reminder to those who were present of their personal experience and what they saw, heard, and felt. But they were also meant to have everyone keep telling their story. And I challenge all of us this evening to keep telling your story. Each of us has a story to tell for what God has done and is doing many times over in our lives. But we need to keep telling those stories, not only for the sake of letting people hear, but it helps keep our memory clear. It helps keep power in what God has done because we remember exactly how it went down. Memories don't have time to fade if we keep them present. Amen. I think sometimes in our in our faith, with all the wonderful things that God does for us that If you're truly blessed, and most of us are, I think sometimes God blesses us so much that we can overlook some of the blessings sometimes. We can overlook some of the wonderful things the Lord has done for us. So by having memorials of memories, it allows us to keep those things fresh all the time. Amen? I'd like us to consider for a moment of what kind of memorials has God done for us in our lives. And whether we realize it or not, we all have some memorials of many different kinds. They might not be stones put up somewhere, but they're memorials of memories, amen? See, they could be memories of people or places, things that trigger, man, I remember where I was, or I remember what I was doing. And, and there are a lot of times things that trigger memories and elicit things, and sometimes that's smell, that's touch, that's taste. I would say one memory for me that elicits a stirring in my spirit is of a young man some 20 years ago in a small home missions church being saved for the first time. I'll never forget that little home missions church in Idaho. and More importantly, I'll never forget a year later going back there and being baptized in the Snake River. A cold, icy, snow-capped water. It was cold, but it was such a joyous experience. But it was a, a memorial that every time I, I cross that place and I'm driving on 84, I know exactly where it was and I have a remembrance and it comes back to me like it was yesterday. It's a, it's a special place that reminds me of the goodness that God has bestowed upon me. And I would say, no doubt, each of us has a place like that in our lives, whether that's Eastgate and Camas, or whether that's Vancouver or California or Oregon or wherever that might be, or wherever we might have come from. We all have such a place. But we also have memories of people, the people who have been influential in our lives, the people God has put in our lives and God has used to teach us things and and mold us and grow, the people that God, have, God has planted. And for me, many of those people are the people that when I was a young Christian that were there and were around me, that took the time to, to say hello, took the time to give Bible studies, that took the time to Say so, you know, hey, let's let's do this, or hey, let's go do this, or hey, let's go have dinner together. That 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 built a relationship, that built a place of community. Because, quite honestly, as a young Christian, without those around us, it's pretty hard to to come and grow with God. Right? We can't we can't grow on our own. We can be planted, but it takes folks to cultivate that soil to help us grow up. And I often wonder if there are times where we don't take enough time to sit down and think about those memories. And, and not for just the fact to stay stuck in the past, but to remember and thank God for the people that he's put in our lives. Amen. There are also memories and memorial, memorials of experiences. I can't tell you how many times I can remember God answering prayers in my life and having his marvelous hand of provision in my life. I don't say that to, to boast. I say it to honestly give Jesus the glory because there's been so many times where the Lord Jesus has shown favor in my life. And it is a wonderful, wonderful thing to have a God that loves me, that loves you so much that He would step over the bounds of time and space and, and help you in your situation and your time of need. We should never lose the, the awe and glory of that moment. Amen? Amen. I remember in my, my young years in the church as a young young man in early twenties and how God provided for my family, how he provided for my wife and, and me and my children. And he still does today, but I remember being a young father and being in a place where, man, I don't have any money. What am I gonna do, Lord? Lord, I need your help. And praying earnestly and the check coming through or the groceries being delivered at the front door or someone knocking and saying, you know, Brother Joe, we got your rent taken care of. And that strikes such a chord in me that I just thank you, Jesus, and I never want to lose the joy and the love that that gives me. And I don't think any of us should because all too often all of us have had an experience like that. Praise God. You see, these lessons helped build my faith. They were valuable lessons that helped me grow and helped me mature. And these lessons were not necessarily lessons that you could read in a book or go through. These are things that you had to experience to get the full experience to truly understand what God was doing. See, God was using people to bless me and my family, but that didn't stop with with Joe Pfeiffer and his family and his children, it impacted the people that were doing the blessings. But I would say most importantly, it impacted the people that saw the blessing that had nothing to do with it. They saw that, and they were intrigued and said, "Wait a minute." And it piqued their interest toward the Lord. It caught their eye. It said, "Wait a minute, I, I see that. I saw what happened there." There are also memorials and memories of past events, and I have a, a bookshelf in my room, and if you were to look at that, you would see on that bookshelf, that bookcase, miscellaneous objects. They're reminders of things that happened, experience that happened. There's photos, um, sports cards, little trinkets from trips to the beach, mementos that my kids gave me over the years. This little clay, is Caleb in here? No. I don't know what it is. He said it was a cup. I have no idea to this day what it is, but it's still there. It's a memento it's a or a memorial. Amen. And it elicits things, it, it brings things into memory. And I say all that, and the point of it, of what I'm saying, is that God knows how we think. And God knows that we need reminders. And I believe that that's the reason why God instructed Joshua to build that memorial in the scripture that we read. It was a time to teach the Israelites something. And it was a reminder for them to to see that they didn't cross that river on their own with their own power. It took the ability and strength of God to do it for them. So they built that memorial to remember that place of going through something. So this evening, I I challenge all of us to go through our mental Rolodexes, so to speak, and think through our memorial stones that we have as memories, and allow those memories and those thoughts that come to mind to help draw us closer to God and remind us of his faithfulness. Amen. We also see that those memorial stones in the passage we read were the basis of sharing our faith with our children. See, there are two places in the chapter of Joshua where parents are reminded of their responsibility for the communication of God's word and his calling to our children. We're commanded to pass that memorial down to them. First, in verses 6 and 7, it says, In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Later on, in, in verses 21 through 23 of the same chapter, He said to the Israelites, In the future when your descendants ask their fathers, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground, for the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. There's a lot in there. Many things in there, and I... I'm not a Bible scholar. I don't. I don't pretend to be. But I find it interesting that, as with this memorial and other memorials in the Old Testament, the intention of it was to provoke a question, to, pro- to pro- I'm going to trip on my words. To provoke thought, it was to provoke a response, uh, an action, especially from future generations. Our future generations need to see the memorials of the things that we put up that God has done in our lives. Because without them, how are they going to know the things that God has done? Yes, they'll come to an age when they get older and they'll be able to experience things that God will move in their lives, right? But when they're young, they need to be able to look at those memorials. They need to look at those things and say, hey, mommy, hey, daddy, what does that mean? And the beautiful thing about that is it gives us an opportunity to impart the meaning of that to our children and let them pass it down. Amen. See, I would say that as the quote goes, Christianity is never more than one generation away from extinction. If we are not careful, then America could be exhibit A of this truth. And I want us to think for just a a brief moment here, how far our country, if we look at it, has drifted away from our biblical foundations. And I say that because in 1962, laws were beginning to be passed that banned prayer in school. Fast forward 20 years into the night, early 1980s, and it was declared illegal to post the Ten Commandments in schools. Fast forward 10 years later, we find the attack of the National Anthem or the, or the children giving the Pledge of Allegiance they are attacking one nation under God and want it removed. You see, God's warning to Israel was not to let the environment of the outside world that surrounded them dictate their values. And this warning is still ringing true for us today. You see, we need to place memorials up so that when our children ask, Hey, Mommy, Hey, Daddy, what is this? We can tell them, So that way when the outside influences of the world come against them, they'll be able to see it and stand strong. Amen. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 12 through 15, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord your God, serve Him only, and take your oaths in His name. Do not follow other gods, The gods of the peoples around you, for the Lord your God, who is among you, is a jealous God, and his anger will burn against you, and he will destroy you from the face of the land. Which way are our memorials leading us? Do they lead us towards God, or do they lead us away from God? Lastly, in this section, I would say that memorial stones were to be a signpost for the lost. As I said before, I've had times where I've been blessed by things and outside people that had nothing to do with the blessing saw that and were like, man, what is that? Or what's going on? And God used it to draw that person. So he asked us to put memorials up so that way all the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and that those who fear the Lord will see His glory. You see, God uses memorials to draw people to Him. A lot of times, if you're anything like me, I don't always remember streets and signs, but I can remember mileposts or markers. Oh, you go up to the big red church, you make a left, go down the hill, up around, and you see the big tree split in half, you make it right, and it's the third driveway. I couldn't tell you what street that is or where it is. The point is, is I saw markers that were able to show me and allow me to remember to where to go. And, and the same is, is that way for us in our walk with God. Amen. Secondly, I would say that in the scripture we read, the building of memorials was to be used as a, a time of renewal of personal commitment. In verse 8 it says, So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the camp where they put them down. See, Joshua not only issued the order for the men to go back and pick up the stones, but he personally joined in with them and made the journey himself. Joshua made it personal. He didn't just tell other people to build a memorial or do this or do that. He said, no, I need to do this too. We need to do this too. We need to build memorials in our lives to the things that God has done. Because there's going to come a time in our life when when our faith is shaken. There's going to come a time in our life when there's testing. And we need to be able to pull out those memorials that are on the inside and say, okay, Lord... I know you have something here. I know you need something done here. I know there's something going on, even though I can't see it. Again, not to be stuck in that place of the past, but to have remembrance to help push us forward. Amen. Third, the memorial was set up as a place and a time to roll away old defeats. Later on in the chapter, we find in verses 19 and 20, it says, On the tenth day in the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. See, I find it significant that this happened on the tenth day of the first month, because that is exactly 40 years to the day since Israel marched out of Egypt. God always has a plan, always has timing. We don't see his timing. We don't see his plan all the time. But memorials help us to get there, right? Again, I couldn't tell you what street was what or what streets are where, but I know how to get there by remembering the places. Amen. If we look at what the word Gilgal means, it means the reproach has been rolled away. For the Israelites, that meant 40 years of spiritual defeat had been rolled away. It was the dawn and time of a new beginning and a new land for them. The complaining was ended, the hopeless wandering was ended, and the wilderness was behind them. They were now a people with a powerful new sense of purpose, determined to take new territory for God. And that's exactly what memorials need to be for us when we come out of the other side of a situation or a struggle. Amen? See, we should be able to look back at those monumental occasions that that the Lord did something for us, and they should stand out as a beacon for the times when we're challenged by the direction of where to go and what to do. We should always have a monument or memorial to pull out to let us know where to go and how to go. Amen? In closing, I'd like to leave you with the following story. Several years ago, there was a young, successful executive. His name was Joshua. He was driving down a crowded Chicago street, driving a bit too fast in a sleek 12-cylinder Jaguar, which was only a few months old. He was watching diligently as he was cruising, so to speak, for kids. They were darting in and out from parked cars and He slowed down when he needed to, and when he saw something he thought might be problematic, he tapped his brakes, but otherwise, he was just going for a cruise in his shiny new Jaguar. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, a brick smashes right into the side of his shiny Jaguar's door. Joshua proceeded to slam on his brakes, and he pushed the gear into reverse, Tire spinning. He backed up to the spot where the brick had hit him. He jumped out of his car and he grabbed this kid and pushed him up against the wall and he started shouting at him. Who are you? What are you doing? Why did you do this to me? That's my new jag. Why did you hit it with the brick? Do you know how much money this is going to cost you? Why did you throw the brick at my car? Sobbing. The young man says, please, please, mister, I'm so sorry, I didn't know what else to do. I threw the brick because no one would stop. Tears streaming down the young boy's face, he pointed to his brother and said, please, mister, it's my brother. He rolled to the curb and fell out of his wheelchair and I cannot lift him up. Please help me. He's too big for me to get him back up out of it and he's going to get hurt more. Moved beyond words, the young executive tried desperately to swallow the lump in his throat. Straining, he lifted the young man up and put him back into his wheelchair, took out his handkerchief and wiped the scrapes off of the boy's face and cheek, checking them over and over to make sure that he was okay. He then walked the two young men all the way home to make sure that they were able to get home safely. You see, it was a long walk back to that sleek black jaguar. A long, slow walk. You see, Joshua never did fix that door. He kept that dent in the car to remind him to not go through life so fast that someone had to throw a brick at him to get his attention. So in closing, church, I ask you this evening... Or I make the statement to you do not wait for someone to throw a brick at you to get your attention. If the Lord has done things for you, small, big, large, whatever they may be, set up those memorial stones in your heart. Set up those memorial stones where you can remember what the Lord has done for you. These altars are open. I encourage everyone to come pray, seek some time, take some time to seek the Lord and thank him for the memorials that God has put in our lives.